day on Dramatic Impact, Edmonton actor Michelle Brown gives us insight into her creative process and the evolution of her career in the theatre. I love the rehearsal process. I love the development process. I'm a big believer in the value of everyone's creative process. You don't have to be an actor. You know, a lot of teachers, a lot of would-be teachers, uh, ed majors, are end up in classes that I teach. And, uh, you know, I just know that they're going to be fabulous teachers. They're already attracted to the importance of, and understand the importance of things dramatic, mm -hmm. and about understanding the creative process themselves so that they can inspire it in children that, that they're going to be teaching. And so that aspect of my work as an actor, which translates to my work as an educator, is really, really important for me. <laughs> Welcome to Dramatic Impact, Episode 11. Today we're hearing from the talented and delightful Michelle Brown, an Edmonton actor who was featured in Episode 7, Secrets of the Actor, Part 1. This is the first of the rest of the interview series, in which I'm going to present material that I recorded for Episodes 7 and 8 that didn't pertain to the Secrets of the Actor topic. It's fascinating material that you won't want to miss. On today's episode, Michelle discusses her origins as an actor, her creative process, the satisfaction she gets from helping students at the University of Alberta discover their own creativity, and how her motivation for being an actor has changed over the years. Michelle Brown has worked as an actor, musician, sessional instructor, and acting coach. She graduated from the BFA acting program at the University of Alberta in 1981. I met Michelle a couple of years ago when she was my acting teacher and director for six months for a course I took at the Foot Theatre School at the Citadel Theatre in Edmonton. As an actor, Michelle has toured Alberta extensively and performed across the country and abroad in a number of productions, including The Black Rider, which toured Western Canada and was later invited to the Magnetic North Festival in St. John's, Newfoundland in 2006, and Spring Alibi by Linda Wood Edwards, which was invited to Washington, D.C.'s inaugural Fringe Festival, also in 2006. In the summer of 2007, she traveled to Torino, Italy, where she performed in Should've, a play written by Nobel laureate Dr. Roald Hoffman. Should've also traveled to Vancouver in March 2008. This summer at the Edmonton International Fringe Theatre Festival, I saw Michelle in Death's Godson, a piece she co-created with Paul Morgan Donald and Laura Kruski. Her portrayal of death was powerful and unforgettable. I also saw her at the Fringe in a reading of Office Tower Tales by Edmonton poet Alice Major, in which she gave a sensitive and moving reading. I hope you enjoy the interview. To hear more of Michelle, listen to Episode 7, which you can download at www.actingandtheater.com, and that's theater spelled R-E. And if you haven't already subscribed, please consider it. Subscribing is free, and you don't have to submit any personal information. When you subscribe, you'll automatically receive new episodes when they're available. If you need any help with your subscription, you can email me at elaine at actingandtheater.com. So without any further ado, here's the interview. So, Michelle, 
When did you first know that you wanted to be an actor? I think when I was in grade one. <laughs> and I got to play the triangle in the school band. Although my mother says that actually it was much earlier than that because she knew that I wanted to be an actor because I would start crying and something would upset me and I'd start crying and the first thing that I'd do would be go to the toaster and look at my reflection in the side of the toaster. <laughs> <laughs> she said that's when she knew. But I think, I think very early on, you know, I think I was in the, the little musical performance in grade one. And I remember taking it very seriously and then I was always involved in, in things dramatic at at schools that, you know, at elementary school. And then I got really involved in community theater, the community that I grew up in. And was that here in Edmonton? No, that was in a small town in Nova Scotia. Oh. Anaganish, Nova Scotia. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I think I had great mentors. I mean, I had adults who were very inspiring, who were very you know, good at what they did. And I, so I got a really good launch into the practice at a very early age. And community theater was really uh, a big part of that. So you're saying basically from the time you were about six years old, you absolutely knew that you wanted to be an actor? Well, I think I didn't absolutely know. I think I felt comfortable performing at a very early age. And so that kind of stayed with me. I don't think it's easy to know, or I certainly didn't know for sure that that's yeah. what I do. But it was never a surprise to anybody around me that that's what I became. And that's what your first choice was when you went into university? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. What is your process for rehearsing and preparing a role? You know, that's, a, that's an interesting question and really shifts depending on the role. Yes. So there's lots of variance in terms of my approach. It usually involves lots of research. So if I'm working on a piece about Edgar Allan Poe, for example, which is something I've just been working on. Before, prior to rehearsal, I like to do research on him, on some of his writing, travel down to secondhand bookstores and pick up books of poetry, and try and immerse myself as much as I can in whatever the subject matter of the piece is going to be. And then it's, uh, you know, the, the process of rehearsal is affected by the people that you're working with. If in things that I produce myself, I, you know, I like the uh, experimental process. I like to have people in a room, you know, jamming on, jamming on ideas. But if you're going straight to, if you're working on a on a, you know, well-established piece, then the approach is the approach is very different. It becomes a matter of plumbing the text for what's in the text and as an actor trying to be as true as you can to the playwright's vision. I mean, that really, it, in many ways, that process is about getting yourself out of the way so you can be a conduit for the text and the director's vision. So, yeah, the process is very different for each piece, although the research prior to rehearsal is really important. And and then the homework. I mean, rehearsal is is part of preparation. And then there's always coming home and working on my own. In terms of text, if it's you know if it's a line, if it's text-heavy piece, and my I've got lots of lines, <laughs> then I spend time learning those. Uh, although I don't doesn't I don't tend to work on my lines until I've rough blocked a scene. I find that for me that works better to rough block the scene and then come home and work on my lines. 
But sometimes that homework is about just letting ideas bounce around. And And so is that letting ideas bounce around mostly when you're actually speaking the words? And no, a lot of the work that I do has a strong physical component. And yes. so it means playing around in my living room, walking, trying out different movement uh, movement phrases that might be part of a character's be part of what a character is. Hmm. It can in the case of a piece that is musical, and that's another thing that it's really a big component in lots of stuff that I do. It might be coming up with, you know, a melody line, or working out um, a melody line and some choreography. It's a lot of different types of experimentation, depending on the work. I end up doing lots of workshops. I'm very involved in the process of developing work, and so that involves sometimes coming up with text as well. I worked with last uh, spring. I did some work with people dealing with an issue that happened in Brooks, Alberta, uh, around uh, the strike at a meatpacking plant. And they were putting together, uh, they had some film footage, but they were trying to put together a stage piece. And so we were taking factual transcripts and trying to dramatize them and writing songs with that material as a base. And so my homework was then to come up with ideas that I could bring to rehearsal. The process that works best in rehearsal is actors bringing in ideas, Hmm. to which the director then says, yeah, great, keep going down that road and let's see where that takes us, or "Mm, maybe not, Let's, let's shift that. Or sometimes just, you know, I don't like that. (laughs) <laughs> Could you please bring something else? <laughs> okay. So the Brooks piece, sorry if I missed this, did it have a script or you were creating? We were creating a script. You were creating a script. It had transcript. It had act- the actual people talking. And so we, you know, it had, it was, it was a doc in a documentary style. And they were trying to see the people who were, who were the creative head of that project, uh, the creative team of that project were trying to figure out can we make this a theatrical piece? Can it live not just as a documentary, as a film documentary, but can it have a theatrical life? Because then it you know, makes it possible for it to travel around the province or provinces, bringing a very important social issue to light. So going back to what you said about physicalizing during your own rehearsal process, do you find that that just springs out of your imagination, the things that you try? Or, or could you try to articulate what it's like for people who haven't been through that kind of a process? I think the thing is that I don't know where the inspiration comes from. And I don't think we do. The thing is to be open to it coming from anywhere. Yes. <laughs> so it could be a piece of music that I hear that, insp- that makes me go, oh, that reminds me of my character, which, you know, what is that? Why does that remind me of my character? Because it's that, oh, because there's that phrase, that musical phrase suggests something to me. So what if I just, what if I take that, just that phrase and play around with it in terms of how I might move to it? Mm-hmm. Or in the case of something I just did, the style of the piece of music that I was given. So I was given this song, mm-hmm. and the style of the song, something about the style of the song suggested to me a kind of movement, and I, and I don't even know why, <laughs> but it suggested a style of movement. So I started to move in the way that just the sound of the music affected me. 
And then one thing led to another, and I went, oh, well, if I did that, if I do that move, then maybe I can do this. And if I do that move, then maybe I can, you know, and it's sort of built into a kind of loose frame of choreography that then when I went into rehearsal the next day was something to Was this for the Pope the mm-hmm. piece? Oh, okay. Yeah. It's interesting to examine where that impulse comes from. And I teach drama, and I teach introduction to dramatic process. That's one of the courses that I teach at the university, in the drama department. At the University of Alberta, yeah. 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 And I teach introduction to dramatic process to people who don't have a drama background. They're not drama majors. They might have done some in high school, but usually not very much. And so it's been really interesting for me to examine what is the dramatic process? What is the, the creative process? How do you open yourself up to be able to just let that impulse happen to you and and then follow it down a road that may be very fruitful in terms of, of developing something and may not be? But it sounds like the fact that you are also a dancer or a strong dancer has really enriched your acting process and your your ability to be expressive. And you know, if anybody, if people people who know me who hear this might might laugh uproariously, especially my choreographer friend might say, "I don't know if I'd call her a strong dancer." Okay, <laughs> but what I do have, I, I don't consider myself a strong dancer. Actually. Okay, but but maybe but compared have, to co- compared to relatively speaking, when you compare to maybe some actors who haven't had that. Yeah, perhaps. perhaps. I had a lot of dance training. I have a Bachelor of Fine Arts in acting from the University of Alberta. And, you know, there was a significant and is a significant dance and movement component to your training there. And I need to, as an actor, find... I mean, I've got to feel the character in my body. Mm -hmm. And so I spend time working that out. And another example from something... it's supposed to be ghost-like. And the uh, director said, Michelle, I don't like your ghost. It's just, it's not working for me. And I sort of went, oh, okay. Um, I'd, I'd actually kind of forgotten that I was supposed to be ghost-like, so I was doing something else. And I went, oh, right, 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 I'm supposed to be ghost-like. Okay, so I don't know why I did this, but all I did was sort of put my hands down by my sides with my palms facing upwards and made my arms quite stiff. And then I sort of slowly walked across the stage. And he went, yeah, it was great. <laughs> I said, yeah, I, you know, I don't know, the arms. <laughs> Putting my arms in that position made it, yeah. made it work for me. So your physical manifestation of character is important. Well, it's really important to my process, how the character how, how the character walks, sits, crosses their legs, doesn't, you know, where their center is in terms of movement. They lead with their chest, they, are they hunched over. It affects everything for me because then it triggers what I do vocally. And then that's inspiring to the emotional world of the character because physical and vocal manifestations affect your breathing. Yes. And so that canon does really give you a sort of road into the emotional depth of that of that particular character that you're playing. Yeah, and I would think that also that it just gives you sort of a nice whole feeling of transforming yourself. Yes. Instead of just being in your head. Yes. It's like your whole being is transforming and yeah. you, you get to feel like what it feels like to be someone different. Yeah. Right? And yeah. it's really uh, and it's fascinating. 
So over the course of your career, have the reasons that motivate you to be an actor changed or evolved? I think so. I think when I first got out of theater school, it was just about work. I just anything, anywhere, anytime with anybody would be fantastic. And I think that's still a good thing for, for actors coming out of theater school. It's important to get a, a big breadth of experience and to take all the gigs and to do the school tours and to head up north to Whitehorse and work in tough conditions. All those things are really important. And now, as I'm a little bit older than that, I'm more interested in working with people who I feel have, well, are people I, I really want to work with. So it's not really possible for me to take anything anywhere right now, nor do I really want to do that. I have been very lucky to have some great, to meet some great people and have great experiences that have taken me recently to Italy and Washington, D.C. and Vancouver. And I have had the privilege of being part of the Black Rider company, and we traveled extensively across Western Canada, and then and we're in Newfoundland. So... I've had the good fortune of being involved in some incredible projects with some incredible people. And, you know, in the case of Black Rider, playing a very small part. But, you know, it's an extremely, has been an extremely satisfying theatrical experience on, on all kinds of levels. So, yeah, it has changed. I don't know, in some ways I'm kind of more interested in the work. Mm -hmm. You know, I love the rehearsal process. I love the development process. I'm a big believer in the value of everyone's creative process. You don't have to be an actor. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of teachers, a lot of people would be teachers. Uh, ed majors are end up in classes that I teach. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I just know that they're going to be fabulous teachers. They're already attracted to the importance of, and understand the importance of things dramatic, mm -hmm. and about understanding the creative process themselves so that they can inspire it in children that, that they're going to be teaching. And so that aspect of my work as an actor, which translates to my work as an educator, is really, really important for me. I, I mm -hmm. have had lots of fabulous experiences in the classroom, trying to help people discover that they're incredibly creative. They haven't looked at themselves that way. They don't, they haven't been taught the skills that can help them manifest their own creativity. Yes. And so once they have, they have a kind of window mm. open for them. And it's terrific and exciting to watch. I enjoy that in a way that I couldn't really have imagined when I first got out of theater school. That's really interesting, yeah. I know that you also perform in musical theater and as a singer. So I wanted to ask you, what do you see as some of the differences between acting when you're performing a song and acting in a straight play? You know, there's not really any difference okay. at all. There's okay. really, it's all about storytelling. And acting in a song, I mean, you've, you've only got a few minutes. So it's about the same kind of journey. It's about really getting to the heart of what that song is saying and the character that's saying it. And it's a heightened expression because it's a song. But the process is very similar in terms of acting. And that's the rest of the interview with Michelle Brown. Thanks for listening. Look for the next episode in the rest of the interview series the first week in November. I'm Elaine Elrod. So long until next time. Mm -hmm.